Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, I remember one time I was in college, and uh, we had to, for some reason, I have no idea what it was, some ethics class, the philosophy of ethics, we had to read the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember we came back into class the next day after having been assigned to read the Bible. This was in a secular university. This was not a Christian class. We had to read the Sermon on the Mount. And I remember the professor asked some that asked the class, hey, what did you guys think of the Sermon on the Mount? And I remember somebody said, I didn't much care for it. <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, of course you didn't care for it. It's awful. It's like a sledgehammer to the face. Jesus exposes so much in this Sermon on the Mount, and perhaps no verse is more famous in the Sermon on the Mount and more oft quoted in our current culture than Matthew 7, where Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. In fact, if people know anything that Jesus said, it's often that Jesus said, do not judge. But sometimes the meaning of what Jesus meant in Matthew 7, 1 to 5, when he said, do not judge, is lost. Sometimes people use this term, do not judge, as a shield. It's like saying, don't say anything negative about me, no matter what my choice is, even if it's destructive or wrong, don't you dare, because that's judging and that's wrong. So I want nothing but full tacit endorsement of every decision and action I have. That's what it means to be loving. And that's obviously weird and not true or real at all. But if we're honest, the other side of the coin is really true, that Christians, and we don't need to go down the list to find very many examples, sometimes Christians are really unloving, and they withhold love, and they heap condemnation and judgment upon people or whole groups of people and say, we disapprove, and we disapprove so much, and we need you to feel our displeasure so that you know exactly how displeased and angry God is at you. And that feels terrible. That feels really, really terrible. It really feels like you're being discarded as a human being, like you're less than. And that's true as well. So both are true. So how do we make sense of it? What was Jesus trying to get his followers to do when he said the words in Matthew 7, 1 to 5 about judging? Well, I'm here with Jay Kim. We're going to dive into that and try to unpack what Jesus means and what he does not mean so that we can have a way forward to be faithful, not only to Jesus, but also to follow in his ways, to be both discerning and loving at the exact same time. So with that, let's just dive right in. Check, check, check. Hey, hey. Good? Yeah, we're good. I You opened up with a story about uh, humiliation. Yes. When you were in grade school. You were young. You were like kindergarten, first grade. First grade. So you remember this? Yeah. You're there at lunch. It's lunchtime, which is a very important social time in first grade. Very important. Very yes. important. And you, um, you bring food that your mm-hmm. mother made for you. Mm-hmm. It's Korean sushi. Mm-hmm. And you get, made, you get, you get made fun of. Yes. Which is what happened in the eighties. Not so much today. Oh, today you'd today be like, like, Oh my gosh, you're an icon. Yeah. You brought what? Can I have some? Can I have some? Yeah. Um, what did they, do you remember what they said? The kids? Well, I didn't really speak English at the time, so I don't recall exactly what they said. Yeah. Wow. But, I, I mean, you know, you yeah, don't you, need to know what they're saying. Yeah, you, you knew can feel made, it. Yeah, yeah. The looks on their faces, the jeers. The, Did you? Uh, you must have felt completely alone. 
Oh, yes. I already felt alone in that exacerbation. So it's like you and your mom. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, did you have any other relatives here? Yeah, I mean, we lived with my uncle and my aunt. Um, so we had them. But that was it, yeah. And I lo- then church. We start, you know, we, oh, yeah. my mom very quickly found a church, and that became my... Extended family. Yeah. my Yeah. Was that both Korean and English speaking? Um, well, I mean, like the kids' ministry was in English. Oh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was a Korean-American okay. church. Yeah. I love what you said because those experiences of being made fun of, like in that, I love how you, <laughs> you juxtapose the irony. It's a, a paradox. Yeah. You, you feel both completely vulnerable, like you're naked in front of everybody. Yeah. And yet utterly unseen. Yes. Like that nobody sees you. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think most people can relate. It's it's feeling judged, being judged is such a strange experience and and jarring experience for a number of reasons. But I think as I've thought about it and as I read the words of Jesus, I realize one of the reasons is because it's being judged is the act of feeling simultaneously like a spotlight is on you. Right. But what everybody is seeing is not really you. It's their projection of you. You know, I I quoted the the psychologist and, and Christian author Kurt Thompson. He's got this line. He says, shamed people shame people. You know? So judgment is like it's cyclical and and it's circular. Shamed people shame people. Judged people judge people. And a lot of it, I think, is this vicious cycle of wanting to protect ourselves from um, exposure. Uh, and, and So if we can, like, pick on other people, then we're safe. Yeah. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, it's like that at least I'm not. Yeah. At least I'm not eating that gross-looking thing he's eating. You know, I've got my own insecurities, but look at him. Now all eyes are on him, not me. And it's anything different. Yeah, and that, that's yeah. hard. That's hard to. That's different or um, not common. You know, yeah, especially with yeah. kids. So yeah, I think I think being judged is an interesting experience because you feel really exposed and you feel totally unseen at the same time. Yeah. You know? Okay, so that's the emotional center of it, but then there's also this other center. I was I was doing some research on this, and in 2010, which was a long time ago. <laughs> 2010 is only 12 years ago or whatever, yeah. but it feels like 50 years yeah. ago in terms of the cultural speed, but they did a, a Pew, Pew research teamed up with um, some other, some other pollsters. And they said, what are three adjectives that best describe Christians? Mm. And they asked people who were not in the faith. They yeah. were not, they did not identify as Christians. So they were yeah. trying to figure out what's public perception here in the United, it was in the United States. Right. It was a pretty large sample size, and three words came back overwhelmingly. The top three answers are on the board. This is like family feud. Yeah. And they were judgmental, yeah. hypocritical, and hate gay people. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think that that's changed since 2012? You mean people's perceptions? People's that perceptions Christians that, that Christians are that way. Gosh. I don't know, but if I had to guess, I would say it probably hasn't changed much. I mean, what I hear from people I know, friends I have who are not followers of Jesus, a lot of times what they will say is like, well, you're not like most Christians. What they mean is just because I'm friends with them, right? you're not probably those things. Right, right. I think that's probably what they mean. Well, you're not a you know judgmental, hypocritical, you know, homophobic bigot. 
right. like the rest of your tribe, you know? So, um, yeah, sadly, I don't think those perceptions have changed much. Uh, the other thing that's so interesting to me is I know Christians like that, and that's heartbreaking, you know? And I say Christians probably with air quotes. Like, are you really living the way of Jesus if if you are marked by judgmentalism and hypocrisy and homophobia or any phobia against any type of person? You right, know? right. Um, but what's also sad is, like, I, I also know a lot of Christians. Now, granted, I'm surrounded by a lot of Christians. <laughs> right. But I do know a lot of Christians in fact, I would say the majority of Christian friends I have, and that's a lot of them, are not those things. Totally. Um, but there are enough people in the world and in our country who wave the Jesus flag while screaming judgment over right. others and living hypocritically and you know spewing homophobic or any fill in the blank phobic vitriol. You know, there's enough of those people that. That's the perception, and there's a lot of work to do, I think, for us who who follow Jesus to model the way of Jesus in a different way. Well, it's interesting because this passage we're studying this week, it's Matthew 7. It, it's it's actually probably one of the most famous and most quoted in our culture Yeah, uh, things that Jesus said, statements. Yeah, totally. So it's that, do not judge or you will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged, and with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Yep. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Yes. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So a lot of people use this as a protection for themselves. They're saying, you're judging me, and Jesus says not to. So first, there's probably a lot of confusion on this. So we looked at the word judge, the, yeah. the, the and it's the word krino, which mm. is in Greek. And as you might imagine, it has a wide semantic range, just like the word judge does in English. Mm. So it means at its base to decide between two things. So vanilla or chocolate, you know? Yeah. What do you want? What, what kind of, do you want burritos or do you want Chinese food? You know, yeah. what, what do you want? Right. So it's to decide between two or plus things. Then it's to evaluate someone or something. Mm. So yeah. you're evaluating just like... Uh, um, like a the judges at an art show, yeah, or the judges at an ice dancing competition, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it's to esteem someone. I have judged you well, like first in show. The judges at the Westminster Kennel Club, right? Mm -hmm. That this dog is the best in show. Mm -hmm. It's a judge, like a legal decision. There's yeah. there's that, and then it's also it means just to have action to do something. So, um, for example, in the state of California and every other state, it is illegal to operate a motor vehicle while under the influence of drugs and alcohol because it impairs your judgment, mm -hmm, right? So so mm -hmm. this is not what Jesus is talking about. He is not saying don't do these things. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Because the, there's no way that we could even live the Christian life. A lot of the Christian life is about these things. Yes. Esteeming the right things, making the right evaluations, deciding between two things, yep. between what is good and what is bad or what is good and what is best. Yeah. A lot of Christian discipleship is this. So this is not what Jesus is talking about. Right. Where I think, so that's the first thing. That's not what this means. We're not saying don't decide between two things, don't evaluate, don't esteem, and don't make legal decisions. Yeah. Where, I, the, the words that came, I think, that are, in the, that are implicit in judgment are the words contempt and condemnation. Hmm. 
So to can have contempt for someone and then to condemn them. Mm. Um, I think that that's, that's what people really feel. Yeah. And when you have contempt for somebody and you condemn them, I think it, that's, that's what people are trying to avoid. Yeah. And, and why is that dangerous for a Christian to have contempt and to condemn people? Yeah. Um, because you said, you know, people will wave the banner of Jesus. And yet if they walk around with contempt and condemnation, that's it. Why is that so bad? Why does Jesus tell us not to do that? Yeah. Gosh. I think there's lots of reasons. I mean, but if you look at the text itself, you know, I, I find it really interesting. The visual he uses is, you know, the speck and the plank, and it's about your eyes and it's about how you see and whether you see clearly or not clearly. That's the point Jesus is making, you know? And I think, again, contempt and condemnation are so dangerous in, in so many ways. One, because he who has the authority, the only one who has the real authority to truly condemn, chooses not to condemn us, you know? So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, especially those of us who've received uh, pardon from God's condemnation and God's judgment, you know, who are we then to go back and condemn others? Jesus tells a parable about this, you know, about right, right. Of forgiving, forgiving yeah, a debt yeah. and then yeah. beating someone over a much smaller debt. And, um, but I think, you know, going back to Jesus's sort of words, I think content and condemnation are, are dangerous again for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons is it, it, um, it robs us of the ability to see one another clearly mm. to see the Imago Dei in each other, um, you know, to, uh, there's a, this Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote that I, I started with on Sunday, judging others makes us blind. Whereas love is illuminating by judging others. We blind ourselves to our own evil and to the grace, which others are just as entitled to as we are. So I wow, think that's, that's why contempt and condemnation are so dangerous. They blind us on multiple levels. We cannot, we're, we're unable to see that the person we are judging is worthy of the same grace that we have received. And maybe even more dangerously, we blind ourselves to the reality that we have received grace. And, and, you know, it's, uh, then you're not living in reality anymore at that point. And I think that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. So, and I think contempt and condemnation have a sort of erosive, corrosive nature to them. I, I just think the one condemning and the one sort of extending contempt, it does the most damage to you, you know, not to the one you're condemning, but you um, become the, the kind condemner. of person who, who does that. And that's, yeah, that's incompatible with love. I, it does feel like I, as, cause I've had the, ch so I wasn't even supposed to preach this message. Karina was, she got pneumonia. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh man. And so I had to meditate on this all week and it, I'm like, well, I'm pretty good. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a gracious guy. I've been around a lot of different contexts. I'm not, I'm not judgy. Yeah. I'm not condemning. And then I started thinking, um, I can't take Christians who condemn. So I realized I was super judgy <laughs> and yeah. condemnatory and yeah. contemptuous yeah. of Christians who condemn and are contemptuous. Yeah. I'm like, Oh no, Oh no. What is yeah. happening? Yeah. Uh, 
It's interesting, James 4, the, this passage jumped out. I don't think this was in uh, your notes, but this this jumped out at me. I, I thought this was interesting because James is reflecting on the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. And James is like Jesus' brother, right? He says, yeah. brothers and sisters, don't slander. Don't speak ill of one yeah. another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or judges them, again, the same word that Jesus uses, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on the law. There's only one lawgiver. Only one judge, the one who's able to save and the one who can destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? He's saying, when you judge people, you make yourself the arbiter. You put yourself in the place that only Jesus can be. And I realized I do that. So I put myself higher than other people. Like I'm I'm thinking about, you know, the Westboro Baptist people. Sure. All the people online, all the people that we've met and we've seen. And you're just like, do you even get the gospel? Do you even know what's going? You're the worst you're doing. And I put myself above them. And then I look and I look and there's Jesus and he's right next to me. And he's like, totally. I hate those people too. (laughs) So I have God endorsing my opinion. Right. And I think Jesus is saying, dude, you don't get to do that. Yeah. Like that doesn't mean I, I, I don't get to evaluate sure. the fruit of what they're doing or the error theologically of what they're doing. Right. But it's the contempt and condemnation yeah. that I think is really difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. And that's really, that's been the really hard part. Um, talk about shame. One of the things that I don't think we got into very much, you talked a lot about how shame has a place in this. That you think condemnation and shame are are somehow linked? Yeah, I mean, I, I I quoted him already earlier, but Kurt Thompson he has a fantastic book called The Soul of Shame. If anyone's interested, he's a Christian um, and and he's a trained psychiatrist, high level. Um, and he says the act of judging others has its origins in our self judgment. Shamed people shame people. Long before we are criticizing others, the source of that criticism has been planted, fertilized, and grown in our own lives, directed at ourselves, and often in ways we are mostly unaware of, you know. So, so when I'm judging Westboro Baptist, yeah. when I'm judging those people, what what's going on in me? What's the, is, am I afraid of becoming like those people? I don't know. What, I what's, mean, going, what's going on in it? What's, yeah, what, what is Kurt trying to get me to do? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know that he's trying to diagnose anything that specific. I think really the idea is that there is shame in our own lives. There have been moments where we have felt judged, and those experiences are not disconnected from our own proclivity to judge. That it's, I see. it's I see. circular, cyclical, it's connected. And so in some ways, maybe the most helpful practical thing to come out of that idea is that when we feel the tem- temptation to judge others, we can ask ourselves, why do I feel judged in some way in this situation? Or does this remind me of some situation or circumstance in which I felt judged. Mm -hmm. How did I feel in those moments? You know, am I ready to, um, sort of, uh, you know, do the same to another, you know, inflict the same sort of pain to another that I've received in my own moments of, of feeling judged and condemned and, you know, the contempt of others. So, yeah, I think practically it's helpful in remembering that, we know what it feels like to be judged. So to connect that feeling to those moments when we judge, it's important because you have to admit 
um, I'm about to inflict that same pain on somebody else, you know, when I yeah. judge them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's a sobering thought, at least for me. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing that comes out of this, I think for a lot of people is, yo, are you telling me I can't, I'm not supposed to do or say anything when something egregious and terrible mm. happens. Like there's right. somebody behaving terribly right, or doing something horrible. Are you saying I'm not allowed to say anything, not, not allowed to do anything? Mm. And I think that that's where this <laughs> verse, I think you got to read it a little caref- carefully because yeah. Jesus doesn't say, how dare you? Yeah. Um, he says, first, take yes. the plank out of your own eye and then help your brother. He uses the familiar term brother. Yeah. So first of all, is this just about Christians? Because it does seem like Christians do judge Christians the worst. Like yeah. Christians are the worst at judging Christians. Yeah. Like even in my own life, as I think about who I've judged, sometimes it's people outside the faith, but a lot of times it's Christians inside the house, right? Yeah. Do you think that there's part of that or is this is this broader than that? For, that's well, my first I think question. for sure it's about Christians, at least at minimum, it's about Christians. But I think it's... Um, it's broader than For that. all humans. Yeah, yeah. okay. So, so, but he says... First, he says hypocrite, and by the word hypocrates is from the root word crino, which is the word to judge. Yeah. It means blind judge, Yeah, <laughs> which is interesting. And then you will uh, first take the plank out, and then you will see clearly, and then you can help remove the speck from your brother's eye. So he's not yeah. saying no, no, no specks. <laughs> Pretend like the speck's not there. There is a speck there. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. not saying there's not. Right. Yep. So, but... There's a there's something going on here. So what as you read that like what what's going on? We we talked about the difference between contempting con, sorry, contempt and condemning versus loving and correcting. Yeah. For me, contempt Yeah, some yeah. of it's semantics, but I would say that's that's the that's the best way for me to understand it. Actually, Karina said this first in one of our meetings to prep this teaching. She used the the language judgment versus correction. And then as we talked about it more, we realized, you know, much a fuller way of understanding would be this passage in some ways is juxtaposing. Well, maybe not the passage, but but what it leads us to is a juxtaposition between blind judgment and loving correction. Uh, so blind judgment is essentially, I mean, it's lots of things, but I think in, in some ways it's like... It's arrogance, it's ignorance. Well, it's yeah. saying to the person you are a mistake or you are a failure, you know? Um, Whereas loving correction, I think, is able to hold the person in high regard to bring love and care around the individual and say, hey, we love you, but you made a mistake or um, you you experience failure in this way. Because condemnation is you are the sum of all the bad things you've done. And it's all, God doesn't like it. I don't like it. You're gone. Yeah. And correction says, look, the sum of you is someone I love. You're made in the image of God and I deeply love you, but this part has to go or this yeah. thing that you did has to go. Yeah, it's the difference between you did something wrong and you are something right. wrong. You right, know? And right. So I think in love, yes, this what Jesus is not saying is like, Free pass for everybody. Laissez fair relationships. Everyone does their own thing. That's actually very destructive. And actually, in in today's sort of modern current climate, you know, standard, it's very normative to like, hey, don't infringe your values and beliefs and ethics and morals on me. You know, I do me, you do you kind of thing. Um, I I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. You know, and and throughout 
the gospels and throughout the scriptures, it's clear that God does call us to hold one another accountable uh, in a loving way. Um, for, for sure, for the sake of formation into Christ likeness. For sure, you know? for sure, so, yeah. and that's really hard. I I do. I remember growing up, I felt that any criticism of me meant the end of a relationship. It means you weren't my friend. Right. Like friendship equals blind endorsement of everything I do, mm. which is foolish. Mm. It's just foolishness. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've had friends, you have to, who have been able to say, hey, listen, we need to have a conversation about this. Or you messed up. Right. Or you, you, you made this. And David Kim has this expression, handing someone the red pen yeah. to edit your life. You don't give the red pen to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. a that's foolish too. Right. But with enough time and with chemistry and priority, he talked, you know, he wrote a whole book about this. With enough trust and relationship and prior relationship, yeah. you can hand that red pin over to somebody and they can help you edit your life. Right. And that's that's I think really important. But as we talked about this, there's there's some ground rules to this. We talked about there's got to be a pre existing relationship. The other person has to be open to loving correction. Sometimes yeah, they're not necessarily to receive it and enact it, but an openness to hear it from you. Yes. In other words, that you know, the relationship is key. The first the first point. It strikes me that the verse right after this is that weird swine in pearls. Uh, yeah. it, it's right after that. It's like right. gotta be wise about who you give this to. Yeah. And then we also you don't want to approach somebody. Uh, if there's legal issues, it, it, this confrontation can't harm you. <laughs> like, yeah. it can't be so toxic or so um, volatile of a situation that you're going to get damaged in it. Right. So, and, and some people are that toxic. You can't ever talk yeah, to them. Yeah, some people stay because they're like, I could change him or I could change her. And it's like at a certain point, no, it, you might actually be doing more harm, not just to yourself, but to them by allowing them to maintain right. an environment in which they can act in a dehumanizing way toward you or others. So, yeah. And this ties back to what we've been talking about before that this idea that part of the Christian life is handing somebody that red pen. And that is really, honestly, it's really uncomfortable for a lot of people and a lot sure. of, and a lot of people just don't have anybody like that right. in their life. Yeah. And I think we're trying to say that you'd be better for it if you did. Yeah, and you gotta take the necessary steps to get there. You it, know, yeah, you can't hijack yeah. the process. It's like, hey, I just met you. Here's the red pen to my life. Can you just? Hey, my- I just met you, <laughs> yeah. and this is crazy. Yeah. Could so. you edit my life? <laughs> uh, there it is. Um, okay. So finally, I, I'd like to to close with this. Um, if judging is about contempt and condemnation, it reminds me of Romans eight. Because this is anti-gospel. Yeah. So contempt says God has contempt for you, and so do I. Condemning says God condemns you, and so do I. The horrible truth about this is it's just not true. Yeah. Like the one who could condemn does not. And the one who has every right to have contempt does not. And Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life and sets you free from the law and sin of death for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful, in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering <laughs> that destroys contempt and condemn. Right. It just does. Yeah. There's no condemnation. And not only is there not contempt, God loves so ardently that he sends his own son to yeah. be 
a sin offering, a willing sin. So instead of contempt and condemn, it's love and forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and that's why we took communion this week. Right. Because that's that's actually the message we should be sending. Yeah. And that's actually the invitation to everyone. Yeah, that's right. So that's yep. that's why judging is I think so dangerous because it can mess us up. But it also, it's just a lie. Mm. It's just a lie about who, who God is. Yeah. Uh, any other final words that get away from judging? How, yeah, how, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't judge. If you're judging right now, stop. <laughs> stop. Yeah. Uh, this is good heart work, though. And um, it's only like three verses, and it's probably going to take us all a really long time to implement it. Yeah, a lifetime. All right, well, Jay, thank you for, for, uh, for being here. And again... Um, we're we're just grateful for this this passage from Jesus to help us away from condemnation, and uh, into something different. Yes, another way. So yeah, love it. All right, guys out there, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for being with us, Jay. Yeah, see you guys. Okay, bye. Just want to say thanks to Jay Kim for stopping by. Join us next week when we're going to be continuing in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus talks about prayer. Ask, seek, knock. It's going to be fun. Ask, seek, knock. And it's it's Halloween, so it's totally appropriate. We totally planned that. <laughs> uh, no, it has nothing to do with Halloween, but it is going to be good. So we'll see you next week. Can you say Halloween on a Christian podcast? I think so. Maybe not.